Well, I feel like shouting this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to see each one of you here today. If you would turn in your copy of God's Word to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. We continue to go through the book of 1 Kings, and uh, it has been a tremendous blessing to me. It's kind of a tough book, but uh, it tells us probably what we need to know and what we ought to hear. Uh, What we do with it is up to us. I want us to think this morning about the topic, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I remember, mm, let's see, how old am I? I remember 40 years ago, at least, probably more than that, 45 years ago, I heard Brother Jim Walsh preach a sermon uh, on what are you doing over here? And uh, it was in... uh, It was the instance where David had lined up with the Philistines to fight the Israelites. And he had three points to it. The enemy looked out and said, what are you doing over here? And then his own people looked out and said, what is he doing over here, over there? And then God had to be looking down from heaven saying, what in the world are you doing over here? The question this morning is, Elijah, what are thou doing here? What are you doing here? And it can be said of us, too. Look at 1 Kings 19, verse 8. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, 1 Kings 19, verse 8, And he arose, and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came there unto a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down every altar and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And when it was so, it was so. When Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for not halfway saving us. Lord, have mercy. We've got so much to be thankful for. You've blessed us over and over again. We look at Elijah and we see how you took care of him. And Lord, you fed him and gave him water and clothes and Lord, you took care of every need that he had, and you've done the very same thing for us. Oh, God, may we come to the place today where we say, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to surrender all. I'm going to totally trust you. Those in this place that need a personal relationship with Jesus, oh, God, speak to their hearts, Lord Jesus. Those that need a church home, those that just need to come to the altar, Lord, whatever needs to happen in this place, May it happen today under your authority of the Holy Spirit of God. We praise you. Thank you in Jesus' name for what you're going to do. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And uh, boy, this is a good-looking crowd. I tell you, 
uh, fall break and all this stuff. Uh, it's great to have Brother Aaron and his family back and Brother Case and his family back. And uh, I see Miss Pearl Cherry back over here and praise the Lord. Is Brent, Miss Brenda in here anywhere? Miss Brenda Browder? No, not yet. Okay. You keep praying for her. She's ready to come and, and wants to come. So you keep praying for her. Uh, and uh, Jason is uh, in Vicksburg, or he was this morning, and he's on his way in. So we'll have a full staff here tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. Chapter 18, we looked at last week. And it was a challenge. It was a throwdown, if you would. Uh, King Ahab and Jezebel had led the children of Israel uh, to start worshiping false gods, to tear down their altars. And I want to tell you the real problem. Now, you ladies, are, some of you are not going to like it. Some of you, bless God, are walking with God, and you'll know it. But if you look at verse 1, you'll find where the real trouble starts. The Bible says in, in verse Kings 19, verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now you say, what's wrong with that? Can you hear this whiny, yellow, spined? <laughs> I better stop right there. Honey, you don't know what they've done to me today. They've killed all my prophets. You know, instead of Jezebel giving her problems to the husband, which accordingly is God's will. The husband is the head of the house. Amen? Well, you know, I don't care whether you like it or not. I'm just telling you, the husband's the head of the house. He's the priest. He's the high priest in the house. And instead of her, she should be giving her problems to him instead of him giving his problems to her. So you know the thing's a mess to start with. But the question is, we're, we're talking in chapter 18 last week, uh, the people of God, they, they, God revealed himself to them. They knew God. They weren't ignorant of God. They, they knew all about God. They had seen better. They, they, they were not naive. They saw what God did at the Red Sea. They saw what God did to deliver them out of, out of Egypt. They saw what God did with Moses and the Ten Commandments. They knew God was real. And so Elijah comes on the scene to confront this mess. And folks, if we ever needed more, and, and listen, I am weak and I am not, I, I'm not talking about myself, but what this country needs more right now, what our churches need more right now, is pastors who will stand behind this sacred pulpit and say, thus saith the Lord, have a little guts, have a little courage, and preach the true word of God. That's what this country needs right now. It's what churches need right now. There's a duel, and he gets his prophets, and, and he said, I'll get mine. And, and they go all day. They're crying out to their God. Nothing ever happens. Uh, he mocks them a little bit. He said, hey, maybe he's taking a bathroom break. Maybe he's going on vacation. Maybe he don't have his hearing aid in. He's got all kinds of obstacles that may have happened. And then they start cutting themselves and all that. They go all day long, and finally Elijah says, enough, enough. Go get me some water, and he dumps a whole water on the uh, altar and then he says go get some more and he dumps it the second and then he does it the third time do you realize how precious water was after a three and a half year famine a three and a half year drought with no water and he's pouring all that water on there it just reminds us if your god can't burn wet water you ain't got much of a god 
Our God can burn wet water. He can set the sea on fire if he wants to. And so he does that, and God uh, answers him. He prays a prayer of 62 words. God answers him, sends fire down from heaven. God says, slay every one of the 450 prophets of Baal. He does that. And, and I, I just want to just shake my head and say, you're the same man who stood against the king of Israel and his wife. You're the same man in chapter 18 that stood up against 450 false prophets. You're the same man that stood for God. And now one chapter later, you're running for your life because a woman said she was going to kill you. Huh? Is that not strange? I mean, good grief. Well, I want to ask, how come you wasn't running in chapter 18? I mean, any one of those prophets of Baal, I mean, he may have got three or four of them or five or ten or whatever, but there's 450 of them. They can kill him at any time. The king can order him killed at any time. He's not scared then. And now he's running. Now, I, I don't want When you look at chapter 18, my soul, there's not a preacher I know of that wouldn't like to have an experience like that. He never has another one like that. I mean, can you imagine? It is the greatest, probably the greatest preacher experience that I've ever seen in the Word of God. That God sends fire down from heaven. He burns the altar, the wet and everything. And he's killed 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, hey, that's not a momentarily thing. That's not a, you know, that, <laughs> that don't happen every day. You say, my soul. And we, we don't have time, but this same God, if you read the first few verses here, he was running, went to sleep under a juniper tree, and a, an angel arose, uh, uh, told him, get up and eat. He looked, there was a cake baked on the coals there for him, and, a, and an urn of water sitting by his head up there. God's still taking care of him, even while he's running like a coward. Now, we watch him in a cave. <laughs> he done wrote out his retirement letter. And then on top of that, he wrote out a suicide letter on top of that. I, I, just, I just want to die. I tell you, I don't want no more of this. Sounds like a Baptist preacher on Monday morning. <laughs> enough is enough. <laughs> How do you go from great victory in chapter 18 to complete defeat in chapter 19? You're standing in victory, the greatest moment of his ministry. And now he's ready to die. How's God going to deal with this prophet? hiding in a cave he's anxious he's living in defeat I, I find it interesting that God didn't go in and rub him on the back and say now you poor baby you've had a rough ministry it's been tough you poor thing no God goes in there and says what are you doing in here and I think he probably raised his voice I think he's saying what are you doing in here Psychiatrists today have split views. Some psychiatrists believe that if someone comes to them that's very anxious and scared and defeated and depressed, what they need is somebody to just wrap their arms around them and be scared with them and be depressed with them, you know, and just kind of encourage them where they are. But many psychiatrists now are beginning to believe that what someone who's anxious and depressed and, and just dis destitute... What they need is somebody strong to come in there and say, hey, what are you doing in here? Does somebody have to remind you this morning who you are if you're a child of the king? 
Huh? What, what, what are you doing here? Now, I'm not by anything belittling. Listen, I'm, I'm on medicine myself. My soul, I own half of Walgreens. <laughs> I'm not telling you. I'm not giving anything. What the, I'm just saying sometimes we just need to look in the mirror and say, what in the world am I doing in here? Here I am like I don't have a thing in the world and the King of kings and Lord of lords has died on Calvary, buried in a cross, rose again the third day and ascended into heaven and is coming back for me. What am I doing in here? What are you doing? See, this cave represents fear, running from the will of God, depression, falling out of church, all the joy is gone. What, what in the world are we doing quitting on God after God has done so much for us? What are we doing in here? Well, I've titled this last week. I love that chili shack. So this week, I'm going to talk on the mully grubs. Does anybody here know what a mully grub is? I mean, you're down wallering in the mud. You're lower than a snake's belly. How do you get? See, that's where Elijah is. He's on the victory. I will tell you this before we go any further. Be very cautious when God gives you a great victory. Be very cautious because in the exaltation and all of the majesty of the victory, the devil loves to slip in unnoticed. So you, you keep your heart on God in the victory and you keep your heart on God in the valley. So how do you get a case of the mully grubs and then how do you not get out of it or get out of it or never get in it to start with or something like that? Just figure all that stuff out. Let me just tell you. Elijah had a case of the mully grubs, amen? Uh, we get that way. I get that way. I, I'm thinking, why am I in the mully grubs? I've been ripped out of hell. You see, the great thing for the Christian, huh, whew, some of y'all ain't thought about this. I wish you'd help me. The, the great thing about the Christian is not only do we know where we're going, we know where we ain't going. I mean, that'll put a shout. You say, we, we know where we're going, and we know where we ain't going. Yeah, I've been ripped out of hell. There's mercy on my account that I didn't do anything about. God gave it to me, grace and mercy. And, 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 and we're in a free country. You say, well, there's a lot wrong with America. There may be a lot wrong, but there's a lot right too. And right now, we still have the freedom to worship God and do what we well please. We, do you know there are people this morning, yesterday, I think 17 or 18 missionaries in Haiti uh, kidnapped Kidnapped. Now, I'm going to tell you, they didn't kidnap them to take them on a bus ride. We, we need to pray for those missionaries. Very desperately pray for those missionaries. We're in a free country. Some of you are sitting by people right now that you've seen God touch with his healing hand, and there was no hope, and yet God touched them, and you saw the healing hand of God on them. Some of you men, some of you men sitting here this morning, it ain't nothing short of a miracle. That the woman you sitting next to said yes. Huh? Can I get a witness over there? Amen. I'll witness there. I guarantee you. Hey, all of this stuff, how do you get to the place when you've been blessed so much that you get in a case of the mother groves? Number one, you, you turn to the place where it's all about me. It's all about me. See, in chapter 18, it was all about God. Mount Carmel was all about God, what God could do. Chapter 19, it's all about Elijah. When you take your eyes off what God can do and put them on you, you're going to head for a case of the mully grubs. 
And he begins to say, what, 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 what are you doing over here? It, it's not, can, can you imagine what God must be saying sometimes? Uh, I mean, when his church, now, now y'all, you, you don't remember this if you don't want to, but I am on Facebook. I hide in the shadows. <laughs> and sometimes my mind says, what in the world is that person writing this on Facebook? They're supposed to be saved. Why are they using these words like this? Well, they've been saved by the redeeming blood of Jesus, and they're acting like a devil. Don't you know God's saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? It's all about me. Verse 11, uh, uh, no, verse 10. And he said, I, then look on down a little, I, then look on I only am left. I, I, I. Verse 14, I have been zealous for the Lord. I, even I, only am left and seek my life to take it away there. You talk about how you're right. I, I come to church when other people don't come to church. I tithe when somebody else don't tithe. I have my own time when they're not on time. I participate. You see, it's all about me. When you get to the place where it's all about you, you're headed for the mully grubs. Mm -hmm. It's all about me, self-centeredness. And then you get on that little self-centered pity party. Oh, me. Oh, lonesome me. I'm the only one that church has got that's really doing anything. And if I go, I don't know what's going to happen when I die. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, let me assure you, we'll move on. <laughs> Amen? It's all about me. And the next thing happens, it all, it's just, listen, it's set up, it's this way. It's all about me, and then it's how wrong y'all are. I only am jealous. Lord, there's nobody left but me. Nobody but me. Look all I've done right. They have quit worshiping. They have torn the altars down. They are worshiping Baal. Nobody but me. Do you know there's not one time in this 19th chapter here, in this part here, where he mentions the name God at all? It's because he ain't thinking about God. Some of you came in here this morning. The only thing on your mind was you. Some of you right now are more worried about what you're going to eat when we get through. I may just stay to one. It's not about me. They, they, they. No one but me, God. You set self-centeredness yourself, and then you begin to talk smack of everybody else. They're not doing what they ought to be doing, God. I'll tell you, if I was doing that, I'd do that. Mm. Now, how do you get out of the mother grubs? I'm glad you asked. Verse 11, he said, go forth. Stand upon the mount before the Lord. Now, remember where he is. He's in a cave. Caves at this time didn't come from Disney or Missouri or Branson or anything. They didn't have no electricity down there. There wasn't no lights down there. It's dark. Let me tell you, when you're in a dark place, you, you, your words are going to be dark. Your spirit's going to be dark. Everything about you is going to be dark. That's why God tells him, go forth. Stand upon the mount before the Lord. Get out of the cave. Go look at where you might can see God. Don't stay in the cave. I, I, I love, love and, and they're watching this morning, so y'all don't be offended. It's my fault. Uh, but I love preaching at Arabella. 
And I used to go in there and just zoop, every, every window shade in that thing was down. It's dark. And I just pop them up. I didn't, I, well, there's some ladies over there have some eye problems, so we can't raise them all the way up. But bless God, we can get them up a little bit, amen? To just not being in total darkness. Many people are sitting around in total darkness. Turn the lights on. Get up where you can see God. Go outside on the front yard. See what God is doing. And then the Bible says, he said, go forth, stand up on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. Hmm. You see, if you're in the cave, you're going to miss the Lord. If you're living in darkness, you're going to miss the Lord. He said, you go, get out there. Let's, uh, let God have an opportunity to speak to you. Get out of your darkness is what he's saying. Man, have mercy. The wind comes, comes so strong that it just literally breaks the rocks up. But he wasn't in the wind. Earthquake comes, but he wasn't in the earthquake. Fire comes, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in any of them. Let, let me just encourage you here. Let me preach to me just for a minute, okay? I know y'all are more spiritual and this doesn't apply to you. But many times when I'm praying, I'm telling God how I want him to do my prayer. God, I got this problem. Now here's how I want you to fix it. The nerve of us. We're wanting to tell God how to take care of us. <laughs> uh, I, I, I tell you, everybody is looking for a big, a big blessing, a big song, a big voice, a big service. But he wasn't in the wind, and he wasn't in the earthquake, and he wasn't in the fire. He was in that still, small voice. Mm. Now listen, listen to me. This is not, I don't believe, the same voice that he used in chapters, in verses 9 and verses 13, when he said, what are you doing in here? I think there's a boldness in there. What are you doing here? What doest thou here, Elijah? Now he's speaking in a still, small voice. See, when you get close enough to God, you get serious enough to God, he'll speak to you in an intimate way. And he speaks to him in a still, small voice. The same voice, maybe, that may be saying, why are you home today when you ought to be in the house of God? The same voice that's maybe saying, why are you playing all these games here when you ought to be in the Bible? Why are you calling all these people when you ought to be praying? Why are you playing the lottery and not even tithing? I mean, if you're going to play the lottery, the least you do is tithe. The devil's had the money long enough. We're listening for God loud because all this stuff around us is loud. When we get close to God, close enough to get serious, we can hear from God. And listen, you're not going to hear from him while you're on your cell phone. You're not going to hear from him while you're thinking of all your plans and all that you need to do it. The Bible says when he heard from God, verse 13, he heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. Behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Mm. I've never been in one of these things, but I know some of our church staff has. They're called escape rooms. And they, you know, in my nervousness shape that I'm in now, 
I think about two licks around there and I couldn't get out, I'd be running right through the sheetrock. I can get out of a room. I can get out of a room. But they tell me that in the escape room, there are steps by step by step by step. And if you skip step four, you, don't, you can't get to step five. So you have to do it step by step by step by step. That's the way it is with serving God. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're a new Christian, don't worry about the fact that you can't teach Sunday school yet or life groups. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the fact that you can't pray like you think you ought to pray. Hey, just take it step by step by step. Who's been married in here longer than 65 years? Chet? Anybody else? Can I see anybody? How long? 66. 66. Are you sure? Is he right, Shirley? 66. Shirley, let me ask you something. Shirley is, is legally blind, and, uh, uh, it, but, and that's why she loves Chet so much right now. Amen? <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me ask you something, Shirley. 66 years ago, if someone would have come and took you and said, now here's what we've got ahead for you. I'm going to take you to a place. It's probably going to be four, five, maybe ten times bigger than this place. And inside that place is going to be every plate and saucer and cup that you're going to have to wash for the next 66 years. Would you have said yes? At least you'd have said paper. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You see, you think, oh, no, there's no way in the world I'm going to wash that many. But you see, if they took you in there today and said, Shirley, here's all the dishes you've washed the last 66 years. Wow. See, serving God is not. See, we're, we're, we're wanting to tell God our future and what God wants for our future when we haven't even been willing to obey him for today. Quit worrying about next year. I want to do the same thing. I want to say, what's going to happen, God? Where are we going to be? No. Let, let's take today. Tomorrow's got enough. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. We may not even be here tomorrow. Our precious, precious Erica, probably she was here when I came, wasn't she? Yeah, she's been here. We've watched her two kids grow up, Bree and, and Brian. She's been the best daycare worker we've ever had, nursery worker. She's taken care of our babies for years. And does a tremendous job. Little Brian, the one used to roll, y'all remember him when he was that high? Well, he's, he's up now. He's 20, 21, something like that. Last night, uh, he and Rosa, his fiance, they had a baby. They were having a baby Thursday night. Everything was great. But last night, yesterday, uh, the doctor realized that there was no heartbeat. And the baby was born last night at 8 o'clock, stillborn. I'm thinking, you know, man, that's not what I wanted. I didn't want to see that happening. And even in the, the text I got, it was, I don't know why God does this, but I know God has a plan. I, I, listen, we've got to serve God every day, every day, because we don't know what tomorrow brings. We have no idea. Now, let me close out here. I've got to get out of here. Let me give you some practical steps. This is for you rednecks that just want to know A, B, C, D, all right? Let me give you. Number one, if you want to stay out of the mully grubs or get out of the mully grubs, 
you recognize the presence of sin in your flesh. I hate to break it to you this morning, but there's no good person in this building. None. None are righteous. None. Only goodness we've got is because of what Jesus has put into us. That's it. A spiritual victory begins by identifying the enemy. And it's the same old story. If you don't know what you're shooting at, how are you going to know if you hit it or not? I'm telling you, you've got to get up before God. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a public invitation. What you need to do is go home this afternoon, get in a room before God, and say, Now, Lord, you show me. You show me what I need to do. You show me what's separating me from you. I want to be close to you. I want to be intimate with you. The psalmist said, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. I hear it more and more in today's world when people are trying to make decisions. Some well-meaning people, God love them. You can say anything about anybody if you say God love them. <laughs> they really mean well. But they'll say, just follow your heart. That's the craziest you can ever do because your heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. You get with God and say, God, what is it? You show me. John Owen said of sin, it has no doors to open. It needs no engine by which to work. It lies in the mind and in the understanding. It's found in the will. It's in the inclinations of the affections, and it has such intimacy in the soul. You don't think you're born with sin? You go over next door to that nursery, and you watch them two little old precious babies that, oh, goo goo, ga ga ga, it's all wonderful. And one of them walk up the other one and just steal a toy. <laughs> you, think that's from, you think that's not a sin nature? We're all in that same way. Recognize your presence of sin in your flesh. Second thing is get your heart fixed on God. You said, I thought you said don't follow your heart. I'm not telling you to follow your heart. I'm telling you to fix your heart upon God. Let God divide your heart. My heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. Psalm 57, 7. Uh, the power of the Spirit of God will give you power over the unredeemed part of flesh. The, the, the thing that we must remember as Christians, we do get a new body. We do get a new, it's a new creation. But we still have to deal with the old flesh. It's still there. And we've got to get into being our hearts fixed on God so that we'll not be ashamed. When are we not ashamed? When our hearts are fixed on God. And then thirdly, quickly, we got to meditate on the Word. Colossians 3 says it like this, letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell in you. When the Word controls you, it controls your thinking. When it controls your thinking, to meditate on it day and night, that I might not sin against God. The only way to kill sin in our lives is to pump our lives with the Word of God. I love old sayings. I love old fables and myths and all of that. But you can, listen, the devil just laughs at that. But you put the Word of God in yourself. He won't laugh. He, 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 can't, he can't defend it. He can't defend it. The Word of God never comes back void. So meditate on the Word of God. And then fourthly, speak with God in prayer. It kind of circles back around, but uh, listen to the, the prayer uh, renews in us a desire to want to follow God and serve God. 
but it also opens up our life for unconfessed sin because we have unconfessed sin in our life. And when we pray and we get close to God, he shows us what that is. Hmm. Let me give you this last one and I'm through. Seek obedience. Seek obedience. You've already sang the song. I guess now it's time to fish or cut bait. You already sang one time before, all to Jesus I surrender. Did you really mean that or was you just mouthing the words? All to him I freely give. We go out into, from the private place. See, the first four here deals with a private place. I look at the sin in my life in a private place. I uh, fix my heart on God in a private place. Pray. I meditate on the Word in a private place. I uh, pray in a private place. But now I seek obedience, and it goes from a private place to a public place. How can I serve God? Paul said it like this, I have not attained. I haven't got there. I love what he said. But I go forth. I press forward toward the mark. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to lay down. I'm not going to halfway serve God. I'm going to totally serve the Lord. You begin by being saved, and then you begin by being discipled after you're saved. Our precious little Roger, he's getting older and older. Don't know, uh, he's kind of like me. We don't know how many days we got left. But I was sitting there with him in my lap, studying last night and I thought oh that we could be as obedient to God is what our pets are to us I mean he'll just about do anything now he'll bite Aaron or, or you know he'll, he'll, he'll he bites people but, but he don't bite me he's only got two teeth so but I was sitting there and I read a story uh, last night while sitting there with him Archibald Rutledge wrote that one day he met a man whose dog had just been killed in a forest fire. He was heartbroken. The man explained to Rutledge how it happened, and he was all choked up and crying. He said he worked outdoors, and he often took his dog with him, and that morning he took his dog and left his lunch pail and told his dog, stay. And he said, the dog understood exactly what I said. And I went on off in the woods doing my work, and during that time, a forest fire came, closed in, but the dog stayed. The dog was dead, and the lunch pail was burnt up, but the dog never moved. Total obedience. I wonder, could we not? I, I know we're not going to attain it. I know that. I, I know we're never going to get there. I know that. But couldn't we at least press toward the mark? Couldn't we at least say, God, because you've been so good to me, I will do everything I can to serve you. I want to reach out to people. I don't know who they are. God knows who they are. It's a matter of us being totally obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you that you give us an opportunity again to surrender. And I pray this morning, Maybe there's, there are those, there are those, I know, who've never trusted you as their personal Savior. Oh, God, would you, this morning,
lead them to be saved today. Lord, I pray the Spirit would draw them and that they could not say no to the Holy Spirit of God. There are others that need a church home. There are others that need, uh, Lord, other different things to pray about. Lord, whatever you want to do in our midst, God, would you have the freedom through the Holy Spirit to move in this place this morning. Do, do something different today. This is your day, your place, your people. Lord, we love you. Count on you to do great things. In Jesus' name.